you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we're all about helping restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. We all know that it's tax time, and I don't need to remind anyone of that fact. So, you know, this isn't always a pleasant time of year for most of us. You know, we're busy running our businesses, and we don't really have the time to keep up with tax laws or the changes, perhaps, unless you're following the news. But even then, there's so much detail to this. It's really about you know, enlisting the help of an expert. So no worries. I've actually got an expert on the line today. My guest is Mr. Tony Pericelli. He's a CPA and a tax expert from a firm called Scott & Company. They're in Columbia, South Carolina. Welcome to the show again, Tony. Thanks. Glad to be here, Roger. Yeah, I'm really happy. You know, Tony, it was almost a year ago uh, coming up this May that we had you on the show the first time. And, you know, we talked a lot about how to put your books in order throughout the year to give yourself the best tax position at the end of the year. And now it's kind of a last minute thing, but we know that lots of people are sort of scrambling to get their taxes in. So I'm really glad to have you on the show. Um, you work with many restaurant clients today, so you understand our business and you're in a great position to really help the audience with the last minute advice. So um, the tax deadline is next week, but I understand that you can extend until September. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. If you have a uh, an S corporation or a partnership uh, that you're using to run your business through, then you uh, the due date is next week, March 15th. Um, but you can extend for six more months um, through September 15th. So that's an option. Now, if you have a C corporation, uh, which is kind of the uh, the old fashioned corporation or what a lot of the larger companies might use. Um, those tax returns are not due until April or April 17th this year because of uh, the weekend and, and holidays. Um, it's not the 15th; it's the 17th. But uh, for most folks who, who are running running uh, you know closely held businesses, it's going to be an S corp or partnership, and so March 15th is the deadline. Let me ask you: When you mentioned partnerships, Tony, um, for the uninitiated, am I clear in in saying that you're also considering limited liability companies or LLCs? Yes, that's correct. So, so an LLC actually is a is a creature of whatever state you're you're doing business in. It's not a uh, the IRS doesn't even really recognize such a thing as an LLC. So, an LLC is taxed as either a partnership or a corporation, or in some cases, if there's just one owner, it can be a sole proprietorship. So, yes, when we when we talk about um, corporate and partnership tax returns. It's just the taxable entity type. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, LLCs can be included in there. It's not necessarily the uh, the state entity type that you're talking about. Perfect. Okay. So then that means that, uh, so, so S-Corps and partnerships, LLCs, all those have the March 15th deadline, which is approaching next week, and we can extend until right. September the 15th. That's terrific. Correct. Let me yeah. ask you, if a company chooses to extend the return, are they more likely to trigger an audit by doing so? Are there any stats that have proven that? I don't know that I've ever seen any uh, research or anything that you know absolutely proves that or not. I, I don't know that there's uh, any way way to do that unless you actually work with the IRS, which I, I don't. So, um, 
in general, I, I recommend that if you need more time, ask for it. You know, there's no nothing wrong with uh, getting an extension. It's automatic. And in my experience, I've been doing this almost 20 years now. I've never seen um, any any patterns that show me that it's more like you're more likely to get audited. Um, one one thing I will throw out there though that is it's a big advantage with uh, with filing an extension is you do have a you have more time to potentially um, actually save a little bit of tax dollars uh, from from last year. Even though we're 2017 is over and done, um, there's actually an opportunity that some companies might have to fund a retirement plan uh, for the owners mm-hmm. and, and even some of the employees potentially. So um, there's a certain type of plan called a, a SEP, S-E-P, Simplified Employee Pension Plan. And it's basically like an IRA. And um, what that does is it, it functions just like an IRA where you can contribute money to it and it's, there's, there's a tax deduction up front. And then uh, you the the growth in that uh, in that account over the course of many years as you as you continue to add funds or as you invest in various stocks, bonds, mutual funds, those kind of things, the growth is no, is not taxed, it's sheltered from tax until you withdraw it when it's time for you to retire. And you can do that at any time after age 59 and a half, just like a regular IRA or 401k. So the normal deadline for contributing to one of those types of plans is March 15th or in the case of a C-Corp, um, uh, April 15th. But if you extend, um, like we just mentioned, the six-month extension, that also gives you more time to contribute to a set plan uh, through the extended deadline, which is September 15th. So, in theory, you could uh, you could actually, you know, be August September and contributing money into the set plan, and you're getting a tax deduction for last year, which is really good. The timing on that is is great because you're you're spending money now and getting a tax deduction in the prior year. Um, it's always better to have a deduction earlier than later. So that's very helpful. That is a great benefit. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, What are some of the other ideas or last minute tips we can talk about while we're still in 2017, whether you choose to file next week or you file that extension before we move on to um, the new Trump administration's changes? Well, one of the uh, thoughts that, um, and actually we talked a little bit about this, I think last time I was on is is related to property and how property is depreciated. And one of the things that we can do after the fact is uh, do a what's called a cost segregation study. I think we may have talked about that last time. Uh, but basically that, that study is something that you do to you get an expert who knows a little bit about engineering, a little bit about accounting and tax, kind of a cross-discipline type thing. And they do a study to break down the components of a building. So if you own your own real estate or if you've got significant um, – renovations that you've done to a a lease space, then uh, they can take that and break it down into components that can be depreciated very quickly. Because normally real estate is depreciated very slowly, especially commercial real estate. Um, It takes a long time. So if you spend a couple million dollars, you you won't, you know, basically be able to deduct that for 30 or for 39 years. It takes a long time. The cost segregation study can, can, shorten that time down to maybe five to seven years for certain a certain percentage of of those fun, of those uh, costs now that's something that um, can be done after the fact now the, the the depreciation itself is not anything you're it's no it's not a deduction you're taking later for a, an earlier year it's just you can still do that calculation anytime before you prepare your tax return so give, uh, getting an extension can give you an extra amount of extra six months of time to get that study done 
and so that you can have a better result for your depreciation. Um, also, and we, we can probably talk about this later when we get into the new tax law, there's actually um, one component of the new tax law that went into effect as of September 27th of 2017. It's one of the bonus depreciation rules, uh, the updates on the bonus depreciation. So we can talk about that later. But uh, that's something that we've actually already been doing with some of the returns we're preparing um, this uh, this year. Uh, for 2017, we've gone ahead and looked back and if, if those equipment or some of the real estate components were purchased after um, basically in the, in the fourth quarter of 2017, they're eligible for some of the new rules, which are a, a lot of opportunities available for, for some of the new rules to, uh, to quickly depreciate the uh, real estate costs. I definitely want to get into that. Um, while we're talking about extensions, um, I'm actually thinking of filing an extension myself. Uh, you know, this is something that I've been working on for, well, I really start this whole process of getting my books in order. I mean, I work on them throughout the year, but just really starting to plan with my CPA um, in November. But, you know, this is a crunch time, and no matter how big your firm is, you have so many clients, and you really want to offer every client individual attention. You want to give them the benefit of every possible, you know, tax uh, benefit that you can. So when things kind of calm down after the April or, or March deadlines have passed, do you find that, uh, you know, you, you spend more time on a return, or you can give it a little bit more detail than when you've got a pile of 30 on your desk? I mean, how would you answer that? Yeah, that, that goes without saying. I mean, obviously, this time of year, things are very, uh, very busy, and we're trying to to move things along as quickly as possible while still maintaining high quality of service. So right, we certainly don't sacrifice that. But, but yeah, that being said, um, you know, if I'm sitting in my office in a, and it's May or June or July and, and, you know, there's not a lot of pressure on me. I can kind of take my time, really concentrate on what's going on. And it, it does, it does allow for a greater sense of uh, uh, just focusing in on what's important to the client and what we can do to save save money. And, and also, I think, too, it, it gives us a better opportunity to do planning um, for the new year. Now, that being said, there's there's some value for having uh, prior year numbers finalized and available early in the year. So the earlier you do your planning, the better. But, um, you know, if, if it's, if it's a, a choice between sitting down for five minutes and quickly going over something because we've got, you know, 30 other returns, like you mentioned, that, that have to be done, or having the, the time, you know, during the summer or the early fall to, to to take more time, sit down for an hour or two and really talk about what's going on. Yeah, certainly it does. It does help out to, to have that additional time. Um, so there, there's pros and cons both ways. Uh, you know, in some cases we, we have requirements from banks or bonding companies and, and things like that, that maybe not so much in restaurants, but maybe in, in construction, other, other, other industries depends on the industry. But, um, for, for restaurants specifically, you know, sometimes the banks are requiring tax returns to be done early and, and submitted to them so they have all the information for their underwriting uh, to renew loans, things like that. So sometimes we, we don't have a choice. We have to get them done. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it definitely does. There, there are situations where it is nice to have that extra time available. So, you know, I, I would say don't, don't shy away. I guess my advice is don't shy away from a, an extension for like you mentioned before, don't I don't think there's really any fear should be any fear of additional audit scrutiny by the IRS or your state or anything thing like that. It is an automatic thing, you know. It's it's, it's not going to get rejected. The only thing you have to watch out for though is as you do your personal tax return 
because generally if you have like an S corporation or partnership, you would also have to extend your personal return because you're going to have to have the information from that business return to put on your personal return. Um, so you'll have to extend both. Just be careful and make sure that you go ahead and make the payments, any kind of estimated payments that you might have due for the prior year and for the current year because um, you got to watch out for that. For 2018 and any, in the current year, the first quarter uh, payment is due in April 5th, on April 15th. So you don't want to get well into the middle of the year and not having made any payments for the current year and kind of get yourself behind the eight ball there with, with getting behind on, on your payments. So even though you're not filing your returns, you still need to pay attention to estimating your, your profits and your taxable income and, and maintaining your payment schedule so that doesn't fall behind. That's a good point, and I remember uh, running into that with my own business as well. You right. talked mm -hmm. about uh, depreciation. I believe we were just talking about you know long-term depreciation on property buildings because obviously land is not a depreciable entity. But what about equipment right. and purchases that a that a business makes throughout the year, and and they have to put together the depreciation schedule that lists every single item on it. And uh, if you perhaps switch accountants, does does that information follow you from last year to this year, or do you have to start from scratch and recreate that so that they don't lose any depreciation? Sure, yeah, that, that's uh, very common. We we often will communicate with prior accountants and get the uh, the depreciation listing from them because you mm -hmm. you want to stay consistent from year to year. I mean, that's what the IRS requires. So uh, if you're you're purchasing new equipment and uh, obviously, you want to take as big a write-off as you can, as quickly as you can. So it, it's it's good um, it's good bookkeeping and accounting um, practice to go ahead and record those things and make sure you've got good records of what it is that you're purchasing and what the use is and when it's in service and uh, of course, obviously, how much it costs and and so then you can uh, depreciate as quickly as possible. But yeah, certainly that that's something that you want to carry over switching the account it doesn't doesn't change anything it doesn't reset the the depreciation or anything like that it just just need to transfer that information from the old account to the and new not account. have it lost is it still is right. it 5 years on new equipment and they say that the usable life is just about depleted and that it's got a zero value or can you explain right yeah for IRS purposes most pretty much all i would say just just about all restaurant equipment is going to be 5 years uh depreciation life so that's you know it's a pretty fairly short life, but I'm I'm sure it, in in most cases that's probably pretty accurate for for a lot of types of equipment that are being you know used hard on a daily basis in a, in a restaurant environment. Let me ask you, Tony. Um, in my business, you know, when I ran restaurants for so many years, I purchased some new equipment. I purchased some you know reconditioned equipment that that still had a usable life. Does the does that change? Let's say I bought a you know, a, a Hobart mixer to make pizza dough and it, and those things right. last forever. They're pretty much bomb proof. Well, let's just say I bought a 10 year old mixer and maybe I paid $2,000 for it. Does, does there, is there any depreciable life left to something that's already over five years old? Yeah, it, it's the five year rule is, is when you purchase it. So oh, if I it's see. new so to you, yeah. then yeah, that, that resets for you. So if you, someone could buy the, the mixer, um, and you know, or any piece of equipment. Let's just say you buy a thousand dollar piece of equipment, mm -hmm. um, then um, you know you you depreciate it. Then you sell it to someone else. That person then gets you know you sell it to them for five hundred. Um, then you know they they depreciate the five hundred. Now, I probably should use higher amounts because there's sure. a de minimus rule of twenty five hundred. But let's okay. say ten thousand and five thousand. Just gotcha. substitute those numbers. Um, 
so say it's five thousand for you, then you the, the depreciation resets. But that's actually um, that might be actually a good segue into some of the changes with bonus depreciation because under old law uh, for bonus depreciation, and we can and I can define that in a second. Okay. Old law said bonus depreciation was not allowed for used equipment or used uh, purchases of uh, previously used items. Now under new rules, that that law that uh, restriction is gone. You can actually take bonus depreciation on new or used items. So that's a big change from something we've had in the past. And, and I think where that came from is the original bonus depreciation dates way back to um, September 11th, 2001, after the terrorist attacks that was trying to stimulate the economy. And that was, uh, I believe that was really the original origin of, of a lot of the bonus depreciation rules that we even have today, you know, many years later. Um, that was, it was trying to stimulate the economy. So they wanted folks to go out and buy new items that were being manufactured and, you know, supporting jobs, things like that. Well, I feel like now the change, the change has occurred because, well, we're kind of so, so far removed from that and, you know, the economy is doing a lot better and things, it's just more of a, of a benefit to businesses. And so the, the connection to the stimulation of the economy is not as, as tight. And so they've removed that restriction um, from, from the new bonus depreciation rules. But, but basically, bonus, uh, bonus depreciation, in a nutshell, allows you to immediately expense either some or all of uh, equipment purchases that normally would be depreciated over time, over several years. And, and so um, in the past, that was, uh, there's, there's been different percentages for different years. At one point, it was 100%, and went down to 50%. And over the last few years, the, the rules had changed to where it was phasing out. And bonus depreciation was actually scheduled um, to be phased out uh, by the year 2020. So really, we only had just a few more years. And the percentage of, of rate that you could take was only 50%. Okay, so that was, that was the existing rule um, going into uh, last year, 2017, or, or as of the end of 2017. So now with the new law, uh, the changes are, first of all, you can take 100% of these items, mm -hmm. anything that's eligible, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, anything that's eligible, you take 100%, and the 100% rate is good through 2022. So we've got a couple extra years, and then from the years 2023 to 2028, there'll be a phase down, and it'll go, I think, from 80 to 60. I think it's 20% a year for a couple of years there, but it, it will phase down um, over time. So as of right now, um, bonus depreciation is back um, for a few years at 100%, and then it'll phase down over, over five years to where it, it'll go away again, and we'll just have to wait and see if it'll be renewed. Um, but another change is, like I mentioned before, you can now take either new or used property, so you don't have to be purchasing anything new um, to take this bonus depreciation. And in addition to personal property, which, you know, like you mentioned, equipment um, and uh, things like that, you can also take uh, pretty much so – there's, there's several types of real estate that you can actually take bonus depreciation on, including most interior improvements. So that really, I think, will be very helpful for any type of a restaurant that either owns its own space or is leasing. You know, for instance, we've got, you know, several clients that just lease space and we've got some that, that own it too, but the ones that lease, I mean, they, you can put 
as you know, a million dollars or more into an outfit of a, of a space to, to get it ready to, to run a restaurant in it. So absolutely, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's quite a bit of cash to be spending or in some cases, you know, you're borrowing money to, to finance it. But at the very least, you're probably putting at least some of your own cash into this. And so being able to take um, bonus depreciation on that is, um, I think, a big, uh, really a boon to, to a lot of folks to be able to quickly uh, take those expenses against their income. It's going to be a really real big help. So, um, so ha- being able to take that and then when you're talking about other types of um, allowable expenses, basically you've got um, – I'm going to read this out to you here. Okay. I've got a list Please. in front of me. For property um, that is an existing – this is – okay, so basically anything that's brand new. So if you're building a new building or you're going into um, a brand new space, the, these types of things are not eligible. But anything that's like an existing building that you're going in and doing upfit in, that that has the potential to take bonus depreciation on it. All right. And – and so that that's where we're going to see most of the benefits. But um, the one thing I wanted to mention is okay. So so for real estate, so for for restaurant property, the old the old law said anything any type of property that's specifically being used as a restaurant property was uh, depreciable over 15 years. So that's actually a different rule. That rule is actually gone, and so that has been eliminated. And now what you have is just any type of general improvements being done to a space. So I don't know if that really is a, is a, is a help for restaurant companies, but it, it's, it allows you to be able to, say, for instance, maybe you're using your space partly for a restaurant and partly for something else, um, maybe offices or maybe um, retail or some other type of use. It kind of expands out what can be what can be taken under the bonus depreciation rules? Is so, there a minimum that uh, a minimum amount? I think that there's a maximum of five hundred and ten thousand dollars in cost or value on some of these renovations or equipment. But is there a minimum? Well, no, that's that's a different rule, and actually, uh, we we can talk about that too. That's section one seventy nine. Oh, so these are two different things. Okay, and I, I'm and sorry, I confused. That's where the yeah, no, that's that's okay because I, I think in a lot of cases it's it, it, there is there's some confusion between the two. So bonus depreciation, I think, the, and, and so maybe we can go into the differences in that. Please do. Bonus depreciation is bonus depreciation is allowed for pretty much any company out there. Even your largest companies can take that. So it doesn't matter how big you are, you've got the ability to take bonus depreciation. Now, Section 179 is a different animal because mm-hmm. what it is, um, it's not allowed unless you have less or less than two, uh, excuse me, two million dollars worth of property placed into service for the whole year. Okay, so that's going to limit this section one seventy nine is generally limited to your smaller, smaller companies. All right, now two million dollars may sound like a lot of property, but again, if you're doing renovations or if you're equipping out, you're equipping a kitchen, equipping a dining room. I mean that that can get used up pretty quickly. So. So Section 179 is very similar to bonus depreciation, but it does have those limits on it. And so the changes for Section 179 are like this. And under prior law, if you put more than $2,030,000 of of equipment in the service into one year, then you are no longer eligible for Section 179. And 
But if you if you are eligible for Section 179, the maximum you could take is 510,000. Now, to answer your original question, no, there's there's no minimum on this. It okay, doesn't good. matter how, how what the smallest amount is, but there's only maximums. Gotcha. So that's that's the that's the old rule. The new rule is that you can take you can put into service up to 2.5 million dollars, and you can expense immediately up to one million dollars. Okay. Okay. So. So these are two different things, and I think one of the, and I know some of this is kind of confusing, probably talking, you know, without maybe seeing it uh, on a chart or, you know, visually, but I think that's one of the reasons it is important to have someone like me or an accountant that can sort all this out, because you have to make a choice, and you kind of have to look to see which one of these works better for you, and in some cases, you might look at it and say, well, we clearly don't qualify for Section 179, so in that case, I'm just going to take the bonus and because that's all I, all I qualify for. But if you do qualify for the for the Section 179, that might be, be the better option. And one reason potentially that that might be a better option is because in most states, they don't require you to adjust out the Section 179. They allow the Section 179, but they do not allow the bonus. So, for instance, in my state of South Carolina, if I were to take two identical assets, you know, let's say they're $50,000 each. The first asset, I take bonus depreciation on it, $50,000 deduction. When I do my state of South Carolina tax return, I have to remove that 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 $50,000 deduction and do just normal depreciation on it. So it might be, say, ten dollars or $15,000 I could get in the first year. It's a five-year property. But take that same asset, $50,000, I take Section 179, and choose to elect elect to take the, the section 179 deduction. It's fifty thousand dollar deduction, and I and that same deduction applies for the state of South Carolina. So I don't have to adjust it. So that's one big advantage to section 179 over bonus if you qualify for it. Um, also, something I was alluding to earlier with um, the improvement property with sections 179, they have the new tax law allows you to take certain components of a building, like uh, actual structural components. So roofs, HVAC, uh, fire protection equipment, alarm and security systems, and things like that that normally would, would be included in the structural components of the building and would not be eligible. So that's, that's actually a brand new thing that we see in, we're seeing under the, under the new law that is allowed with, with Section 179. That's great. So, mm-hmm. I feel like that it's a lot of information and you can kind of get really, it's kind of dizzying to think which one should I do and how, how should I handle it? But the best advice I can give is to sit down with someone who has experience with this and can run, run your tax return both ways. We can take, what, what, what does it look like with bonus? What does it look like with section 179? Is there some combination of the two that we can take? Do you even qualify for section 179? How is it going to affect your, uh, your state tax returns that you're going to have to do? And look at all those factors and decide which which one is best for you. So, you know, with all the changes, there's a lot of opportunity available, but there's also some pitfalls, and you could get in a situation where maybe you you kind of you know kick yourself later and say, oh, I could have done it better this way. So, pr- planning is is very important with uh, with depreciation nowadays. 
I'm really glad you you brought that up because that's a great point about you know sitting down with your professional and just going over these things item by item. But I also want to let the audience know that Tony wrote a recent article and it's called Five Things That Every Hospitality Business Owner Should Consider in the Tax Reform Law. And it's really easy to understand and it's very comprehensive. I'm in the, I'm going to include a link uh, to this article um, for the listeners out there, Tony, within the show notes. So, you know, it's easy to listen as you're driving along, but the, there are a lot of key details that you're going over that, you know, probably want to be, um, you know, revisited. And I think the article is a good place to start before they sit down with a professional so they can ask the right questions. Right. And that, that article just gives a nice brief outline of what I just talked about, because again, as a, as a restaurant owner, you don't want to get bogged down in the details of, you know, what qualifies and what doesn't. But I think it's worth a conversation. Let's say you've got, you're opening a new location. Go talk to, to your CPA and say, if we do it this way, what are the, what are the implications? Um, do you recommend doing it differently? Or is there, is there something different I can do that can lead me to a, a better result from a tax standpoint? And have that conversation before you ever uh, do the renovations or, or do the upfit or purchase the equipment. Because uh, once, once it's done, you might be limited in what you can, uh, how you can depreciate things and what your result might be for tax purposes. You know, there's some other big changes um, from the Trump administration for 2018. You know, we can talk about pass-through entity income. Uh, do you want to mm -hmm. cover that now? Yeah, sure. That that's a big change um, because that's one of the few changes that are exist in this current in this new tax law that is is brand new and didn't exist in the past. So it's not just a modification or an update of something. It's something that's brand new. So as we, as we talked about earlier at the beginning of the show, um, S corporations, partnerships, and I'll include in, in this discussion sole proprietorships. These are basically what we would call pass-through type entities. What that means is the company itself, the entity, the LLC, the corporation, the partnership, whatever it is, does not pay tax. The, the taxable income is calculated by the company, and then that income flows, passes through or flows to the owner. And the owner then pays the income tax on his or her tax return individually. Okay, so for those types of, 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 of entities, S corporations, partnerships, and sole proprietorships, there's a brand new deduction called the pass-through entity deduction, and it's a 20% deduction. And it's very simple. You take your taxable income from that company, 20%, and you take it as a deduction. There's really not much to it. Now, that being said, with like any good tax provision, there are restrictions on who can take it. All right. So, so here's the, the, the first restriction is the type of business that you're running and what we call the specified service businesses are not allowed to take the, this deduction. Now, I don't think this is going to impact too many restaurants or hotels or manufacturing companies or retail stores, folks who are dealing with physical products or, you know, uh, ma making things or selling things, you know, tangible things. For the most part, it's not going to affect those types of companies. Who it is going to affect is folks like me, accountants, lawyers, doctors, consultants, investment advisors. We're the type of folks that are probably going to be excluded from this, uh, this deduction, unfortunately. But that being said, I bring it up because I've run into some situations in the past where you've got someone who maybe, um, well, maybe take, take you, for example. You've owned a restaurant in the past, but now what you do is consulting. 
So maybe you're doing that at the same time. Maybe you've got an operating business that's a restaurant or a hotel, whatever it is, and then you're also doing consulting for other other companies as a side business or just as a part of your mainstream business, your main business. Um, you've got to look at that and break those down to see which one qualifies for this new deduction and to confirm you know, if you do or do not qualify. Now, if that's the case, the you just being a consultant on the side doesn't disqualify you from the deduction. So you can break it up and you know it can be the deduction can be applied to the portion of your business that does qualify. So that's that's one thing. The second restriction is um, you have to have W-2 wages in your business or tangible property that's used by your business. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what that means is like we were just talking about, equipment, uh, real estate, various things that you're using, tangible property that is being purchased to to use in your business. I would say for the most part, most restaurants have that because you're, how, how are you going to cook your food or serve your food or where your patron's going to sit you know, if you don't have some type of equipment that's being used in, in your restaurant. So that, that generally won't be a problem. Also, W-2 wages, you know, very few restaurants or, or companies that can survive without employees. So uh, except for the very, very, you know, very small ones, possibly. But um, so, I, in general, I bring those up, those two items up, because again, it is part of the rules. But I don't think it's going to disqualify too many restaurant companies out there, because most of them will have those, those attributes um, to them. Now, all that being said, those two restrictions—the type of business and whether or not you have uh, employees and equipment in your business—those um, only apply. If your overall taxable income is over three hundred fifteen thousand dollars, if you're married, or one hundred fifty-seven thousand five hundred if you're single, so that's another thing you have to look at. If you're under those income thresholds, you don't even have to worry about the, the, the restrictions we just talked about—the service, the business, service businesses, or the wages and property. But if you are over those amounts, then you do have to look at those two attributes, those two restrictions, and run kind of run your income your business through those filters to see if you do qualify but assuming you do qualify it's it's really a, a great it should be a great uh, a nice uh, deduction for folks the only problem i can see right now is i feel like there's going to be some either litigation or confusion or probably some arguments about what does and doesn't qualify and how uh, how things are written there's probably going to need to be some clarification in regulations, things like that, because we've never had this before. This is brand new. And, you know, the the, the interpretations of this law have run the gamut, you know, from, oh, you know, someone might say, well, just about every everybody's going to qualify versus somebody might on the other end of the spectrum might say, well, there's very few companies that are going to qualify. So I've seen commentators that have said, you know, either extreme. So I think what we're going to have to do is be careful about this and take it one step at a time. And again, talking to your your CPA, your your professional up front, like we talked about, maybe over the summer when things aren't as crazy, take some time, set up an appointment with your CPA, sit down and say, "Do you think I'm going to qualify for this deduction? Let's let's go through the rules one by one and see if I'm going to qualify." And and then you can have have some confidence going into the, to next year when you're doing your 2018 tax returns when this begins. Uh, to apply that you can you can either take it or not take it. Well, that's a great benefit, and I do think a a good majority of our listeners are going to qualify for that one. So I'm really glad we we got a chance right. to talk about it. 
Let's talk about, uh, there's some new limits on deducting losses in your hospitality business as well, Tony. Do you want to take us there? Um, yeah, we can talk a little bit about that. Um, basically, what, what's going on there is, I guess maybe just talk initially about what it means to, to deduct losses. And um, again, this is something I think that we're going to have to see how it all fleshes out going forward. But essentially in the past, um, if you have a loss, a current year loss in your business, then um, you are essentially able to, uh, of course, apply that loss against um, other income you might have. So let's say you're married and maybe your spouse has a nine-to-five job and just you know gets a W-2, um, makes an income, and maybe you're running your business and either you're in a startup mode or you're in a transition or you have a bad year or something happens and you're, you end up having a loss on, um, on your business. Well, you can take that loss and, and, and apply it against your, your personal income and essentially reduce maybe either your spouse's income or other investment income, things like that, and reduce your taxable income. So that's been the rule all along. That, that rule hasn't really changed. It's just now that there's limits on how much you can actually take, and you're not actually allowed to completely wipe out your other income um, based on uh, taking losses from a business. And also... Um, in the past, something you could do is you could actually take that loss and you could carry it back a couple of years. So generally, the general rule, there are some exceptions, but the general rule is, is two years. And so um, what you could do is you could take a loss in 2017, you could carry it back to 2015, and you could kind of rerun your tax return in 2015 with that loss and say, hey, I, I would have ended up with a lot less tax if I'd had that loss in 2015, and the IRS will will accept that hmm. and basically wow. um, allow you to get a refund potentially of of the tax that you paid that year. Unfortunately, though, that um, that is no longer the case. So we're not gonna we're no longer going to be able to take uh, losses back um, two years. You're only going to be able to take losses forward. Um, so that's unfortunately one of the big changes that's that's occurred and um i think what we're going to see is it's going to it's going to limit you know again you think about uh, the life cycle of of a restaurant company or any type of company really any type of company that's just getting started and typically you are going to have probably some type of uh of losses you know maybe in your first year or two years something like that um so I think that's a little bit unfortunate that those options are no longer available, but um, we'll see. It, it, it may just cause folks to do a little bit better planning and, and moving forward so they are prepared to be able to take those losses forward rather than taking them backwards. But I, I think, you know, it's, it is going to be um, – that is one benefit that I think is is no longer going to be available, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up because, you know, a lot of companies that might be new uh, into this business, like you mentioned, one or two years are going to show losses until they turn the corner. So, you know, right. they want to make sure that they're putting themselves in the best position moving forward. So I thought that was important to discuss also. Right. What? Uh, and, and, go ahead. And, and just one one thing to add on that, there's actually a uh, one restriction on um, those those net operating losses that I just mentioned is that you can only, um, as you move forward, and if you have a current year loss, you can only offset uh, up to 80% of the taxable income for the year. So, again, going back to the example of say your spouse has W-2 income and you you have you're running your business with a loss, 
if your spouse has 100,000 of income, you have 100,000 of loss, you can't completely offset those. You can only take 80% of your loss, so $80,000 against the wages of your spouse, and you'll still have $20,000 of taxable income for the year. But that additional 20,000 that you couldn't take this year, you could carry that over to the next year. So you don't completely lose it, it's just a matter of timing and when you get to take it. So that is one more restriction that is is in place as well. Very good. All right. Uh, is there anything else that uh, that we've missed either for 2018 or any last minute tips for 2017 that we still need to cover? Um, one thing I've I've been mentioning as I've, I've talked to restaurant and, and hospitality company owners recently is a new a new restriction on business entertainment deductions. And I bring this up for two reasons. First of all. It's something that if you if you're doing any entertaining in your business, um, which you know we do occasionally in our business, but um, it depends on the industry. But um, you're no longer able to deduct that. So that's that's a, a kind of a step in the wrong direction, I think. Um, so that's one thing. And, and entertainment deductions, what we mean by that is not not meals, but things like tickets to sporting events or golfing or things like that that are that are not. Um, not focused around food or meals. It's other types of, of entertainment. So in the past, that was all, uh, you could take a 50% deduction on that. Now there's no deduction allowed for that. So I, I think that's a, a potentially going to um, hurt, you know, the taxable position of a lot of companies from that side. But also I feel like when you talk about restaurants and, and hospitality and leisure type companies in general, there could be a sh a big shift in the corporate budgets that are available to purchase those types of services and those types of uh, entertainment, um, you know, things, uh, entertainment options. So that's something that could negatively hurt, uh, negatively affect the revenue of the types of companies that you and I work with. Um, so I think it's something at least to be aware of that. Let's say for instance, you're running a country club or some type of a, of a venue that has um, sporting events or theater or, other types of things, as well as a restaurant, maybe attached to it, um, you know, you could see some of your uh, your revenue from the entertainment portion could could be lower than usual in the coming year because maybe companies realize well, we can't deduct this like we could in the past. Not to say that companies won't do that anymore because there's some value. Obviously, they're they're getting value from it now. Or they wouldn't do it currently, but maybe the value isn't as much if they're not able to deduct some portion of it. So. I've been kind of throwing that out there to a lot of folks just to be aware of and something to plan for. And maybe maybe what we'll see is some type of a, uh, a shift in the way pricing occurs or the way uh, packages are presented to the to corporate clients or corporate customers, where more of the dollars are going into the meal portion rather than the entertainment portion. So we'll kind of have to see how that, that works itself out. It's been a Wealth of information, as always. Tony, you're easy to talk to, and, and, and you, you explain these things really, really well, even though some of these subjects can be complex. Um, I'm really um, looking forward to sharing uh, your contact information in the show notes also. If anyone out there is, is seeking a new accounting relationship, or even at the last minute, if you, know, if you need a new uh, a change here, I'd certainly like you to look up Tony at Scott & Company in Columbia, South Carolina. It is a virtual world. We do now communicate via email and phone and Skype, and you can upload any of your documents easily. It doesn't necessarily have to be a face-to-face -face relationship. So um, I really appreciate having you on the show. Anything last minute sure. you want to share, Tony? Well, I think um, 
Yeah, the, we've got a lot of opportunities here, and that's the way I've been presenting this, is trying to look for the positive in, in all the changes. And you see a lot of negative press about the tax changes and how things are going to to affect businesses and individuals. And, you know, we didn't really even talk about the individual changes. There's a lot of changes there. But I think overall for when you, t- when you, when you talk about a business like a restaurant that has a lot of money invested in in people and in equipment and things that are tangible, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to take deductions that either weren't there before or accelerate deductions that were slower in the past. And so you just got to look for them and, and kind of have your eyes open and be aware of what's going on. Um, you know, there's there's a uh, – and actually one thing I didn't even mention before was um, there was a, a recent um, – the recent budget law that just passed um, to, to avoid the government shut or the, to, you know, to stop the government shutdown, they actually renewed for one more year something called empowerment zone credits, which is, is, is a rarely used credit. We actually have an empowerment zone here in Columbia, South Carolina. But the point of that is, is that maybe not, not a lot of your listeners will be able to take that, that credit, but you've got to be, you've got to pay attention to what's going on because something as, as innocuous as, as a budget deal just to avoid a government shutdown there's there's tax provisions you know tucked away in there. You've got to pay attention and kind of be aware of what's going on. And so, it pays to uh, to seek the counsel of a, of a of a qualified professional and someone who is watching and looking at the news and reading and and absorbing that material and helping to understand it so that you know it can be used to the best advantage to to you as a business owner. You know, to me, it can be so overwhelming. I mean, I, I give you a lot of credit because you're a true professional in what you do, Tony. But when all this new legislation gets passed, I mean, isn't it a tremendous amount even for a professional to keep up with? You're constantly being sent new articles. And how is this information disseminated to you personally or to your firm generally when changes are made? Well, I do rely a lot on um, uh, articles that I read and you know, think resources that we have when we subscribe to um, research services, and those guys, those folks are real quickly getting uh, things written. And, and, and I think in a lot of cases they have advanced knowledge of what's what's going on, and and are basically prepared to uh, to write commentary on that. So we rely on them. Also, we're we're part of an alliance um, of accounting firms, and we have uh, a tremendous amount of resources through the through the BDO uh, alliance. That we're mm-hmm. part of, and they're really good about putting out information as well. But yeah, I think um, in a lot of cases, it's just a matter of sitting down and digging into the articles, digging into the commentaries, of course, looking at the law itself um, of what's been passed, and just talking about it. I mean, one thing that's been really helpful for me, giving presentations and writing articles, is that I really I've learned the material pretty well. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm a complete expert on everything, every every aspect of it, but. The things that, that that really pertain to my clients and the, the folks that I work with, I've I've paid a lot of attention to them and studied them, and I think I've got a pretty good handle on it. And you know, and if there's if there's questions, I've got all these resources I can go to. So, yeah, it is it is a little bit overwhelming at times, but um, I feel like that you you can't ever rely on your own um, your own memory. You just need to have resources available and uh, that you can you can fall back on to confirm. And you can say, well, you know, I don't know everything about this, so let me make sure and, and, and do, the, do the homework and, and make sure it's correct the way we're doing it. And to have a comprehensive system that kind of takes into to account all the different uh, all the different factors. 
So that's kind of the way we, we handle it. Well, I know we can't do it ourselves. We're too busy running restaurants, so it certainly helps to have a pro in our corner, especially at this critical time. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for, for being a guest. Again, I'm going to include a link to your article because I think it really clearly and efficiently explains a lot of the things we talked about today. It's a really good first step before someone sits down uh, with their CPA. And uh, I definitely wouldn't discourage anyone from considering the option of taking an extension on their return, especially if you're scrambling at the last minute and you want to make sure that you give yourself every advantage. So that was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being my guest, Tony. It's always a pleasure. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.